They may sound nuts, but so do the Wright brothers. Now, here's Flieger and Briggs. Welcome back into It's Just Sports here on the 12 Ounce Sports Network. Check out all the great shows 12 Ounce has to offer over at 12OunceSportsNetwork.com and on the tweeters at 12OZ Sports. And, of course, you can follow your boys at Asylum Football on Twitter. Asylum foot, not asylum football at gmail.com. Rick, I was on a good streak there for a while. It's just sports123 at gmail.com and find the show archives over at asylumfantasysports.com. Well, Rick, the drudgery continues on, but we got a bit of a respite last week, this weekend, anyhow, and I will take it. So you're not kidding, and it was, it was interesting uh, what seeing. Lord Goodell down his basement and uh, trying to get people to cheer and everything, but it was it was kind of nice. Um, maybe it was because there's nothing else to talk about, but the NFL draft is certainly something to pay attention to, and I'm like you, I'll take it. I'll tell you what, if you ever question the power of the NFL, if you really think about what they pulled off last weekend in terms of the presentation. It was pretty darn impressive. And by most rights, by by any real measurable right, they nailed it. There was no problems. I was waiting for a disaster, waiting for something crazy to happen, a pick to be late, somebody to lose a signal, something. I mean, that thing went off with absolutely without a hitch, at least from what anybody could see. Yeah, it did, and I was glad to see it. Um, you know, it's a good thing, especially when you're going at least nationwide where all these teams are with all the different weather and so forth that you have that somebody didn't lose something somewhere along the line right. in the connection. But, uh, you know, they did. They pulled it off, and hats off to them. It was enjoyable to watch, and, you know, some of the picks were interesting, and, I mean – you know, there's a lot of, you know, the analysts and experts out there throw these draft grades out there. But seriously, you and I know you really can't grade a draft other than the way that they try to address certain weaknesses and positions. But I'll tell you what, some of these teams did it and some teams didn't in my mind. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and I wonder, and we'll get into the individual player breakdowns here, but just a little more on the, uh, you know, kind of on on the presentation, you know what I mean, and looking at, I, first of all, I, I just want to say this. I don't know why I want to say this. Nobody cares what I have to say, <laughs> but I want to say this. Anybody who's listened to us for a while, and then if it's anybody's new, so you know, but knows, I have constantly griped about the draft. I hate, I don't even know that I dislike the draft necessarily. It's the cottage industry that sprung up around it, and these nerdniks who, who just think they own the world because of. The, just the behavior around it has driven me insane, and I tended to not pay attention to it. I'm wondering, for me personally, I actually like this presentation better than, than the old way. I, I The first 20 minutes were so jarring, I thought, oh, my God, I'm not going to make it to the third pick. This is awful. But once this thing started rolling, I kind of liked it better. I, I don't 
I like not having a hundred thousand people screaming and booing, and then the, the the zoom in on the team that's on the clock, and the fans are going wild, and your seven picks in, and they announce the player, and they all look mouth agape, stunned because they've never heard of this player, and then going. Yeah, woo! Or the other fan bases like the Jets, boo, no matter who it was, you know. Jim Brown circa 1965, boo, this is terrible. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't miss any of that. All the nonsense with the fake hug with the commissioner and all that extra time. This was clean. It was concise. I felt like I walked away from, especially the first two nights, I knew more about these players. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you like every other show in the country is going to do. 75% of those guys I never heard of until the moment they were drafted. However, I walked away with the time they had and the packages ESPN had put together. I felt like I knew more about these players. I really did. I really, really liked I know that they'll never do this again, and I hope they don't because that means this crap's going on or something similar. But, boy, I really, really preferred this, and I almost wouldn't mind seeing an alternative on ESPN, the Ocho or something, where they do something similar to this without all the pomp and circumstance. I actually have found myself enjoying it. I did, too, and I told you before the draft that I was actually looking forward to this type of a draft. And, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm just tired of all the drunk yelling and screaming, but – like you said, they're not going to do it again because of the revenue that they bring in from this thing. Um, I, I have to assume that the, I haven't seen the numbers, but the viewership had to be skyrocketing with everything that's going on and nothing going on sports-wise. And it just had to be way up there. But I thought they did a great job. And, and I'm like you, especially when you started getting down around the third, fourth, fifth, and, and so on, these picks. A lot of these guys, no idea who they were, but you did walk away from these shows. You did know who they were. Right. And you you actually had a good feel of what type of player some of these players are. Yeah, and you know it was neat you know for after a while it got old but it was neat seeing inside the coaches home and in their kids and the and the gms with their kids and you know mike vrabel with his weirdo in the track in the in the speedo suit and the guy taking a crap in the background which they're trying to say didn't happen now i'm saying i saw it i zoomed in that guy was taking a growler there's no doubt in my mind so getting some stuff like that, you know, I just found there was nothing from the normal other than kind of the pomp and circumstance right off the bat that I felt like I missed. Now, there was plenty I didn't like about it, but, you know, Goodell, look, he's just wooden. That bit, you brought it up already where he had the screen of the fans, the virtual, right. and he's waving and talking to him. I promise you that thing was recorded four days ago. <laughs> and, he's just that, and he's made a wood, but even he tried to show a human side. It didn't work, but... But he tried, <laughs> so I give him credit for that. You know, the one thing that's been a consistent gripe, and I was screaming at my television before I even noticed that this was a big thing on social media, was every single draft pick we gave their college stats their height and weight, and then the most recent and close family tragedy they've ever come across. ESPN has <laughs> yeah. actually kind of acknowledged, all right, maybe we went a little <laughs> too far 
with that one. That was unwatchable. And even down to, I guess, the death, I can sort of understand to a, to a degree. But when T. Higgins gets drafted, did you see that one? His number three player attribute was his mother was addicted to drugs for 16 <laughs> years. This I need to know. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Exactly. And quite frankly, I mean, look, I know some of these players come from you know, some tough backgrounds and and just like people in any walk of life, you know, come from some of them come from tough backgrounds and so forth and others don't. But, you know, when the camera starts showing guys sitting around in, you know, $500 outfits and a thousand dollar Rolex and three women and every other, (laughs) every other family relative that ever even was thought of sitting around a house that costs more than six of mine I, I don't feel all that tragic about some of their stories yeah and it's just it's just and it was kind of my gripe in general if I had a gripe and again it went off really well and I was really impressed and I enjoyed it I wonder how I'd have felt if just for whatever reason they'd have done this and everything else in the world wasn't going on I probably wouldn't have watched a minute Saturday it would have probably been the only difference but th- this is to life in general. I can't take this coronavirus schlock anymore, all right? I- I've just had enough, this inspirational, we're all in this together. I am yeah. sick and damn tired of some... I took my stick. <laughs> I was getting ready to oh, jump on Well, that. you go first, then I'll tag up. No, Look. no, you're, you're on a roll. I'm sorry. Look, I am <laughs> sick and damn tired of some millionaire sitting in his jacuzzi with a $400 cigar telling me to stay home and stay safe. Look, it's easy to all be in this together when you have no financial insecurity and when you got an effing bowling alley in your basement. It's a little easier. I'm tired of hearing I don't need to hear how much Lexus is in this for me now or Honda has got my back or Cheetos is in this with me. Piss off, all of you. I'm tired of this schlock. I, I've had enough with it. All of it. I don't care. I'm even tired of it here. I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I'm tired of the tired, weary-looking doctors and nurses telling me we're all in this together. I am at home. I will stay home. Quit telling me to not stay home. If you keep telling me to stay home, I'm going to run into town and start licking elevator buttons. This is what I'm going to do. I I. I Run counter to everything by nature. I'm just sick of it. Quit hitting me in the face with this. I absolutely can't take it anymore. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Rick. How are you today? <laughs> well said. <laughs> we, we we don't agree on a lot of things, but uh, you know, get off my lawn. I, I agree <laughs> it's with It's just you. oh my god. Look, <laughs> I'm gonna hey, do you it. You know what? You know what? You work from home. You're in your basement. I'm still I'm still going. You know, to my work. Every day, man, I'm coming home, and you know, you know what I do. I'm not. We're not even going to get into that. And it's just what we do. I go to work hmm. because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, you're like a goat. Right? They told you yeah. Monday to Friday, you go there, and then you come home. Right. And you're a goat. And I come home. It, it just that's just the way I am. But and, I mean, what by all yeah, rights? Hyundai is in it with me. Why don't they give me a Hyundai? Instead of me driving 25 miles every day in my 1997 Lumina, <laughs> you know. So I mean, you know, if they're in it with me, you know, 
hey, come on over. I'm, uh, you know, DM us at Asylum Football on Twitter. I'll give you my address. You know, but by all rights, the way this world's going, right? We're not promoting this show, right? So you kind of drive by my house to get back and forth to work every day. I'd have to right. go a few miles out the road. So what I need to do is get a camera crew, right? Because we all have to socially distance unless we need a camera crew in case anybody's noticed that. So we get a camera crew. I'm going to put a mask on. I'm going to whip up a tear. And when you drive by my home, I'm going to clap for you weepfully because you're going out and doing your job. Look, make no mistake. What the doctors and nurses, especially in these hot zones, are going through is tremendous. What I don't need is Lexus telling me how important it is that I follow these guidelines for these people. What I don't need is you tugging at my heart. Quit freaking lecturing me i can't take it anymore and i'm going to start to rebel i can't take it anymore rick i agree i I, i'm with you there and you know what this brings out things like this in this country bring out the best in a ton of people and you know i've seen it um but one thing that really gets me is the ones that are doing it for, I don't even know how to put it, out of the goodness of their heart or for them, you really don't hear about it. It galls me that somebody, you know, has to film themselves dropping off a bag of groceries at somebody's front porch. Right, exactly. You know, and then posting it somewhere saying, oh, look what I did. You know. Yeah, that's why you did it right there. Exactly. Get off my lawn. (laughs) You know, it's just, come on. Yes, celebrities, we get it. Thank you for the sacrifice you make in your bowling alley. And you've got basically a small small conference D1 gym in your basement. Good. Good for you. You keep staying. And if I got to watch Drew Barrymore cry into her bathroom mirror (laughs) in her bathroom's Twice the size of the first house I ever lived in. You shut up. Maybe you lived in a trailer. You could stand there and cry. And I can say that because Rick, I've lived in trailers in my life. Oh, all right. Both, buddy. So I'm not going to have. Isn't it ironic that the that the one that you brought up, you're crying into the mirror, is an actress. Right. Yeah. Weird. Well, huh? I mean, who'd have seen that? Cry? I can't act like I'm crying. She she's you know, so she can. Yeah, she's so sad for all these frontline workers. I can act like I'm mad because I usually am. And all us evil, uncaring troglodytes are worried about <laughs> eating and wanting to go back to work. Shut up. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, a slob that wanna go back to work. <laughs> and isn't that so uh, all right, I don't know. I didn't mean to get there. <laughs> I just want, I wanted to gripe. We do that, though. Well, it started the note I have to myself of my show prep, Rick, was to complain about Luke Bryan singing in the middle of the thir- fourth round. I don't know if you caught that pleasure. but I did miss that. I, some, I'm very sad now. And somehow it got me to that point. You could tell I'm harboring a little resentment here. So I'm going to shut up, Rick. I'm dominating everything. Let's talk about the draft. You, where, where do you want to take us? I think we ought to get our boy Reed Foley to come up with a, a Corona song yeah. or, a, or a draft song or something. Yeah, Corona song, and it's you and me pulling our masks down, crying. Can you whisk, muster up a tear? Well, I don't know. I could probably have somebody stick me with something. Yeah, we could probably take hurt. turns whacking each other in the yam bag under the console or something <laughs> while we sing. We'll make it work. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's... Boy, we derailed 
<laughs> quite quickly, I tell you anymore. This, this is you can tell it's really starting to affect us here. But this, it, hey, look, it's just sports. We're Flieger and Briggs. This is a twelve ounce sports radio network. And Rick, the draft, we can't sit here and say, oh well, Dallas is six round pick that running back out of you know Hancock State has, has a real. <laughs> Has a real burst of speed, but you know he's always had trouble with that big toe because I have no idea who the hell this kid is. But what we can do is we can go down through some of these teams. Well, we can go down through all of them. And, you know, I've already determined in my mind the biggest winners and the biggest losers. And then there's some that did some really quality jobs of trying to fill some needs and other ones – well, I'll tell you what, I'm still scratching my head on some of the picks. Yeah, I, I mean, the obvious ones, and I guess we, we could start there if you want with, with the negative. When you look at what the Packers did, and, oh. well, you know what, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, we might find out four years from now that, that taking Jordan Love in the first round was brilliant. My pro, What's so confusing about it to me is Tom Brady's about to embark on another season in a new city, and he's roughly eight months younger than you at this point. You know, Ben Roethlisberger well into his 40s. Phil Rivers well into his 40s. You you see these guys going around. Aaron Rodgers, Rick, he's got to have five or six years left in him. In no way has he shown any decline whatsoever. I get the sentiment it worked for him transitioning from Favre to Aaron Rodgers, but what you have said to Aaron Rodgers, and let's not forget Aaron Rodgers doesn't speak to his parents, doesn't speak to his brothers. That dude can hold him a grudge. He does it real well. You have completely alienated this guy. You have said in two years we are moving on. Maybe after this year when his guaranteed money's gone, we're moving on from you, and it's really interesting. I'd like to know the backstory of why they feel it's time to make that move now. Well, if they are going to cut strings with him, he'll be licking his chops because there's going to be a whole boatload of money coming to him from somebody. Absolutely. I can guarantee you that because, like you said, he has not slipped a lick, and he's still at the top of his game. And he is, what, I believe he's four years younger than Ben, right? At least, right, yeah, four years. I think he's he's 34. He's got a good six, seven years left in him. I I would certainly say that. If, if, you know, at least five to six. And I, I mean, I'm, yeah, going back to that, I just totally disagree with taking, actually moving up to get love. Right. Where they did. So they actually gave up more than just a first round pick to get love. And then, you know, Rogers was begging them to get some skill players. And they turn around and they get him a backup quarterback. Look, Rodgers isn't going anywhere. You know, to me, it was a useless pick. And then they go in the second round and pick up a running back. After, after the, the year that Aaron Jones just had. And then you look down at the rest of the, the draft on the Green Bay Packers. And you have to ask yourself, did they even draft a starter? And I don't think they did. No, I, I mean maybe, yeah, maybe the running back ends up taking a lot of work away from from Jones. I don't know that. And that's but is the, he going to be the go-to guy right off the bat? I don't think so. After what Aaron Jones did this past year, I mean, I, I can see it maybe being a committee. Right, you're but drafting. I, mean, I don't think that this is some sort of a difference maker pick. 
I mean, in the first and the second rounds, I just don't think that, I mean, I, I just totally disagree with it. And if I really, if I was actually giving the Green Bay Packers a grade, it would be around a D like most of the people were giving them. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. So I've got two very conflicting schools of thought. My first initial reaction, if this were just in a vacuum, that you can't take this quarterback who you you have a first-round grade on and you think is going to be great in the future of your franchise because it's going to upset your highly sensitive current starter. In a vacuum, I would say, well, this highly sensitive current starter can zip it. You know, this, this is about a franchise. This isn't about this guy. But when you really look at this situation in Green Bay, they were just in an NFC championship game, if I'm not mistaken, Rick. Exactly. With exactly zero weapons around, with something called an Alan Lazard making plays for them. So this was all put on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. And Aaron Rodgers willed this team to an NFC championship game. For 10 years, he's been begging, go get me a big-time receiver. Go get me a big-time tight end. Go get me a big-time running back. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I do feel like, and I could understand why he would feel like, they just spit in his eye. They were one game away from the Super Bowl with zero weapons. And rather than get the guy who got you that far almost by himself, rather than get him some help and weapons to push it over, you draft this guy's replacement? What are you doing? This is craziness. I I agree. And, you know, I look at some different people – um, the way they grade players and, and drafts and so forth. And, you know, you can, you can agree or disagree with some of them, but you can just go down through the Packers draft here. And what is it like? Uh, here we go. The offensive line, they, they picked, you know, John Runyon, Jake Hansen, and Stein, Simon Stepaniak. I hope I said that correctly. And, and between the three of them, there are not, you know, from from the offensive line standpoint, none of them grade over a seventy-five, which is a just a decent player. Right. Yeah. You know, and this is from a college perspective. And you could and forgive all that if they gotten a couple of weapons in the first two rounds. <laughs> they didn't even do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. You could say, okay, they've added some depth. But right. That seems to be all that they've done from a team like like you said that just was on the cusp of Super Bowl and you know, then they turn around and do this. I don't know. I, I, I was just baffled by the whole draft. Yeah, that, that one I don't get. And it's just the way Aaron Rodgers, his personality, he, the way his personality is. And we thought, remember all this, the nonsense last year when Lifler showed up and he wasn't going to let Aaron Rodgers audible. So they got off on the wrong foot. Boy, they seemed to pull it together as the season went on. And then he just smacked him in the face, just smacked him right in the face here, here. Again, you know, he's just and Aaron Rodgers, he ain't that dude. He he ain't gonna put up with it. It it, it could get ugly nah, there. Right. Real, it could get real ugly real quick. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And I tell you what, we went from the Packers. Let's go to a team, and, and I'm going to hit hit on one that I just think did everything right, and that was the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, you, you look down through all those draft picks and, and try to find a bad pick anywhere. I mean, I would say probably the biggest question mark is Isaiah Simmons, and 
the guy is just a freakish talent. I mean, their biggest problem is is where they're going to play him. Yeah, but he was such a good athlete. I thought exactly. I thought he was going to go higher than eight. I think I they they couldn't make that pick fast enough when it come in. Look, the Cardinals are interesting, right? Because they won the off season before this draft ever even came yeah. around. Before, yeah, let's not forget they got DeAndre Hopkins before we were certain it was even going to happen. And so, yeah, everything they put together, that division gets real interesting out there, doesn't it? Because Seattle's always Seattle. Seattle's always good. The Rams, boy, it feels like they're the ones kind of taking the backslide a little bit. You know, as Arizona, they brought in those offensive weapons. You still have Larry Johnson. You're in year two of Kyler Murray. You bring in some defensive guys here. They kind of went from that's their bread and butter was defensively. They lost some of those guys. Those guys aged out. Boy, they rebuild that. Very, very, very intriguing, that team, Arizona, this year. As always, it's going to depend on does Kyler Murray take that next step? But if he does, look out. This this could be a playoff football team right now. Yeah, we called that after the Hopkins deal that it just really appears that the the balance of power is really starting to be a real mismatch in that division. San Francisco, I think it's going to be San Francisco, but Arizona easily second-place team and could be threatening. Yeah, yeah. If, if everything falls together, because I tell you what, that they have loaded up and they have done everything right so far. Yeah, it, it sure seems like that. So, so one kind of draft overall takeaway for me, Rick, what I found really interesting, and, and this has gone on a lot in the past, but boy, this, this year more than any has it stood out when you get a team as dominant and as great and new and exciting as Kansas City has been. And then you watch this draft and how it's affected what the other teams in their division are doing. When you look at what Denver did in the draft, when you look at what Oakland did in the draft, not so much the Chargers necessarily, but what those two teams and trying to keep up with them offensively has done. I love what Denver's done offensively, and if Drew Locke is that guy – well, you you could be talking about some shootouts there, and then Oakland doing what they do. I think they dug up Al because still, for even though Al's been gone for how many years, it's whoever is the fastest player on the board is who the Raiders are drafting when they draft rugs. And you, if you got Judy going to to uh, to Denver, it's really interesting how Kansas City almost dictated the way the draft went for the rest of the teams in that division. Yeah, no doubt about that, and. You know, you said the Chargers really didn't, but, you know, in a way they did. It was kind of like, okay, you know, Phil Rivers is not getting us there. So they made their first, you know, pick trying to get their quarterback situation into a more elite status. And unfortunately, the other teams have their quarterbacks that they were counting on, and the Chargers had to make that move, which kind of threw them a little bit behind the eight ball. But, you know, kudos to them. They, you know, Phil Rivers is just not getting us there. I mean, they put talent around him. And, and you and I have talked about Phil Rivers over the years. I like the guy. But I tell you what, he has done less with more than a lot of quarterbacks have in recent years. Yeah, it, it sure does seem that way, doesn't it? It's, you know, and, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. And they're clearly in in kind of a transitional phase right now. I mean, like I said, what it looks like with what, you know, with what Denver did, you bring in Judy, you also bring in Hamler from 
from Penn State. You you obviously still have Cortland Sutton there. You have Noah Fance. You've got the tight ends. You bring in Melvin Gordon. This team's loading up on offense. Defense kind of aging, but they can still get after the quarterback. It, it was really striking to me that that draft said, yeah, we got to beat Kansas City, and we's coming for you. So now it's up to Drew Locke, I guess, at this point. Yeah, it really does. That, that division is going to be interesting. I wasn't you know, I know what you're saying about Oakland, but I don't know the the or Vegas. Pick, I guess we should or say Vegas. Yeah, you know the Lynn Biden pick kind of baffled me. Here's this running back slash slot receiver slash gimmick guy. You know, going in what was I think it was a second round, and I don't know. I mean, watching Derek, Derek Carr the last few years, or the last two or three years, especially. Yeah, it seems to me they could have uh, done a little offensive line help without getting another like little gimmick player in there. I mean, they they've got they're they're picking up some speed. I understand, but you know, I I just not sure where he fits. I mean, we saw Josh Jacobs really emerge, and if they had a solid running game, I don't don't really know where Biden's going to fit into this offense. But I'm not a Vegas guy either, so I don't know. If you've got the home run speed, you've got a home with the – it could be a new home. It could be different owner, different GM, different coach. If you got home run speed, buddy, you you got a home with the Raiders. You bet. You bet. All right. Another team that you think, oh, let's say missed the boat. We don't want to spend too long on positivity here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not really my thing. Ah, miss the boats, tough. I think we do have to talk about Philly. You know, kind of similar to the to the Packers bringing in Jalen Hurts. Obviously, not near as much draft capital. I guess what I'm curious from you, Rick, does that say anything to you about their confidence in Carson Wentz and his ability to stay healthy? Is it just you? I saw the the GM interviewed. I think I think it was that night after after that pick, saying, "Look, we want to be you know." We want to develop quarterbacks. That's what we do here. I mean, Carson Wentz, is he old enough to buy beer yet? It feels like he's been in the league for 30 years, but he hasn't. Just kind of another with all the needs they had offensively. You know, they go out and get a wide receiver. They probably should have done what Denver did and got a couple of them, right, with that lack of weapons they have. That Jalen Hurts, that was another kind of head-scratcher to me. It was a real head-scratcher for me as well. It was almost – Certainly not the same thing as the Aaron Rodgers because really Carson Wentz wasn't screaming about getting skilled players, although he should. Um, watching some of these performances last year, Alligator Arms, Aguilar, and so forth, yeah, they needed help at wide receiver. They could have went one and two in wide receiver, and I wouldn't have held it against them at all, quite frankly. But, yeah, this one is a head-scratcher to me. I don't know why... Look, we know being in Western Pennsylvania how good a backup quarterback should be. Yeah, all too well after last all, year. All too well. We the Steelers found out last year when when Big Ben got hurt with that elbow. We didn't they didn't have the Charlie Batch? They didn't have the Tommy Maddox. They didn't have the Steve Gerkowski, um sitting in the sidelines any longer they had mason rudolph and duck hodges and with that defense they should have won at least 11 games last year no doubt and 
you need a good backup. But do you really need to spend, you know, number one draft capital picks to get a backup quarterback? That's what really gets me. I can't, there is no way in Green Bay that Love is taking Rodgers' place anytime soon. Not if it's just a fair and open competition, no chance. Exactly. Now, did does Philadelphia have concerns with Wentz? He does have an injury history. He does play well when he is on the field. Maybe they're seeing the writing on the wall in, the, in this division with Dallas seem to be loading up. Um, I don't know what the – what the idea behind this pick was. I'm scratching my head over it. I just don't see it. But maybe, like you said, maybe they've lost face and wins. Yeah, it's either that, which, again, you just gave him a pile of money in a long-term deal. So Exactly. That, that belies any common sense there. You know, if it's, or, you know, are we looking for the Taysom Hill situation in Philly? I've heard that floated, which is fine. That's nice. But you don't spend a second round pick on that when, when you've got the, this young quarterback, you know, look, getting Jalen Rager was great and, and bringing in Marquise Goodwin via trade later on. So they did get better at the wide receiver position. It's just, right, that's a, yeah. that's a good football team with a good starting quarterback. If he can stay healthy. Now, granted, that's, a big if boy that second round pick could have really been used in better ways that that one rang of and that, that's the only reason I bring it up that rang of arrogance to me with Doug Peterson being I'm the QB whisperer I'm gonna bring this guy in who has some question marks and you're gonna see so then in three or four years I have some big decision to make and I'm basically grooming one of these guys for somebody else just seemed like a real waste of a pick for that franchise I, I agree 100%, and they're going to need to catch up a little bit, I believe, quite frankly. I mean, that, that division was terrible last year. I think believe it's going to be a lot better. I don't think the Giants did all that badly. Dallas certainly had a good draft. Washington needed a ton of help, so I'm not really too worried about them. But this could be a three-team race coming into 2021. Um, with the Giants, in my mind, obviously third. But I, I really think they improved and certainly could present some challenges, the NFC East. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still baffled by that pick. I'm not – I didn't mind, obviously, the Chargers using that number one pick for quarterback. But those other two, Philadelphia and Green Bay that we mentioned, that those are still baffling to me and – we may be talking about this at the end of the 2020 season, saying maybe going back to that draft and seeing that maybe Philadelphia was a field goal short of going to the NFC championship game or something like that. And say, you know, if Wentz hadn't been sacked four times in that game, right? you know, they, they, something may have happened if they had a, a more quality offensive line, whatever, you know, yada, yada, but, I don't know. I, I think we may be looking back at this and still scratching our heads as to why they made these picks. Yeah, it's a, it's a stomp, stumper. So something else, a question, Rick. So coming out of this draft, New England, no moves for a quarterback. Everybody thought, boy, they were moving back and moving up and doing all those things New England does. 
right now. I I thought for sure it was Jordan Love going to New England, and maybe New England thought that too until Lefleur just lost his mind <laughs> there at the end of the first round. I guess are we convinced now, Rick, that the Stidham is really the guy for New England? Is he really that guy? I actually thought, to be honest with you, Rick, this this was my thought, and it still could happen, but I really actually had Jameis Winston on the mind. I saw Bill Belichick have 10 draft picks, and, and you go down through those, uh, their quality picks, he is loaded up with talent yet again. I don't care how bad you think that they did. You give Bill Belichick 10 picks, they're going to have talent. I really thought when this draft was over, Jameis signed on the dotted line. Now, Cam Newton still is out there. It could be a possibility. But it just seemed more that Jameis Winston would fit into the mindset of New England than Cam Newton. Cam, Cam Newton's a headstrong guy. And I don't know how well he'd fit into that culture in New England, if you know what I mean. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's it's very interesting and that could maybe we can take a time out while we're talking about new england and get to the gronk thing too but i i kind of thought too right it was going to be winston or newton or you were going to see even an andy dalton trade or something even right. even the way new england conducted this draft doesn't it kind of feel like they're in a full rebuild mode at this point where they're kind of tearing it down to the studs I can't believe that New England under Bill Belichick could ever be bad enough or they would let him be bad enough to tank for Trevor Lawrence here or something. But the way they conducted the draft focused it, you know, they were lacking in offensive weapons for Tom Brady. Tom Brady leaves. They still don't really bring in any offensive weapons. Now you're going into it with an unproven quarterback, probably, you know, at this point, something could change. Well, this feels like this is teared down to the studs, which I didn't think was going to happen considering Bill Belichick's age. But the way they did this draft, first of all, it reeked of Belichick arrogance this entire draft, right? They they refused to make a first-round pick, and they're moving back and moving up in the third and fourth round and drafting all the you know, the first pick from Lenore Ryan. I mean, just a very New England draft. And, look, you can't question the drafting and development of that organization and that coach. But, boy, they did nothing to address the here and now and that's what really surprised me with new england yeah you're right uh, you talk about the belichick arrogance and i think that plays into i don't think age really matters I, this guy i mean look at tom coughlin i i, I could see bill belichick coaching well into his 70s you know, dick lebeau was there until he's over 80 i mean i, I just don't see him quitting anytime soon and if I was crawling around inside his head, he may have just an idea. I'm going to start it all over again, and I'm going to do it again. Yeah, and he might. It might be, and Stidham is that guy. No, I did find interesting, there was no, that I've seen no reports even of them kicking the tires on Cam Newton or Cam Newton kicking the tires on the Patriots. However, it's some Vegas sports book. It went from like plus 800 to minus 170 Cam Newton to New England. So there's some kind of something spinning around in the wind. But I agree with you that that doesn't feel like a fit. And I think that transitions into obviously Gronk, of course, right after we got off the air last week, as always happens, Gronk coming out of retirement. 
going down to Tampa Bay, you know, essentially saying, you know, I'm coming back, but I ain't playing for you. You wonder, I wonder, Rick, as more and more time goes along, that culture in New England, look, you're going to win, but it obviously isn't very much fun. What I've been struck by most with this Tom Brady heading to Tampa Bay is it's like a Pinocchio thing. All of a sudden, Tom Brady's a real boy. You know, he's actually affable and charming and kind of funny. You know, you go to that Howard Stern interview, some of the interviews he's given even subsequent to that. He's a really dynamic guy, and he was a block of wood for the 15, 16 years he was in New England. And I think more Grunk's body was broken down, but I think part of it, too, was like, I can't do that anymore. I can't be a part of that. If you go there, you get your Super Bowls, and you get out of there because you're not having any fun. That culture is a big, big piece of bringing anybody in there. And I think a free agent quarterback, specifically with their own ego and their own successes right. and everything else, is, is going to be reticent to go there. Yeah, and I got on to into a little Twitter match with some guy talking about, you know, Brady going to Tampa and then Gronk following him there. And, of course, you know, this is just not wrong. He's He left New England. He's a traitor, blah, 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 you know, on and on. And, of course, I defended the move and, and this, you know, and, and poked the bear. But he turns around, you know, well, that's, you know, $40 million is not – conducive to winning and that's not the culture but look the guy's won six super bowls right he got a 40 million dollar contract he lives on a yacht with a model that makes twice as much money as he does <laughs> he, he's going to have some fun the last couple of years of his career he, he I've, i truly believe i'm like you i've had enough of this i've done everything i can do here in new england let's go have some fun you know, Bruce Arians, pretty smart guy, got a lot of talent on his team, got some wide receivers, they're giving me some wide receivers, or they have them anyway that I can utilize. And maybe my arm isn't as strong as it used to be, but these guys can actually pick a little bit up something for me instead of me having to carry, you know, get it down the field 45 yards of some bum that can't get open. Right. And so, I mean, you know, it's going to help. I think they're going to have a lot of fun. I think Tampa Bay is going to be a force to be reckoned with, quite frankly. And I think that they are, even before the Gronk signing, just with Tom Brady, they were already the most intriguing team in the league. And they were close to that last year with Jameis Winston and the, the craziness that every time he dropped back, something amazing was going to happen one direction or the other. You bring him in, you bring Gronk in. Look, you talk about must-see TV every week with those weapons. What do you think, Rick, if you had to guess right now? Is this a still an 8, 7, and 9, 8, and 8 team? Is this a playoff team? Is this a Super Bowl contender? I'm getting Cleveland vibes last offseason from them, but the big difference there is uh, Baker Mayfield versus Tom Brady you have to factor in. Oh, I agree. I mean, I no, I do not see them as a 7-win seven, seven team like they were last year. I see them anywhere, realistically, in my mind, 9 to 11. And, you know, depending on what happens throughout the NFC, I think they're obviously a playoff team. Maybe a Super Bowl contender the next year if things, you know, stay healthy and things tend to, you know, get clicking a little bit. But I I tell you, I don't sell these guys short. A, A quarterback that is a natural leader, he's got a ton of experience, obviously. He is 
intelligent beyond any quarterback in the league right now. I was going to compare him to Peyton Manning as, as you know, the old field general, but there's Peyton Manning's long gone. There's not, there's not a quarterback save. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is as smart as this guy out on the football field. And you put that on the field with a, um, a quarter, a coach. Look, look, we let, we saw um, Bruce Arians basically let Jameis Winston run wild last year. He's going to let this thing play out. He's that type of a guy. Give him a little guidance and, and some, some parameters to stay within. And I think he's going to let him win. I think this team is going to have a chemistry that um, Tampa Bay has not seen, period. Right. And, and you're going to know, I think, what Tampa Bay is going to be within two weeks. Yeah, that's the thing. We're not going to have to wait long to find out. Because I think the lingering question that nobody seems to want to discuss is what we saw last year out of Tom Brady. Has he finally hit the wall? Has Father Time finally caught up? Or was it kind of a lack of weapons and trying to play within that system? And now you give him that freedom. You give him these weapons. Is he still, a, you know, a really, really good 43-year-old quarterback? Or is he a 43-year-old quarterback? So you can have all these things. You can have these toys in in Chris Godwin and in Mike Evans. And now, you know, let's assume Gronk's healthy and feeling good and happy and he's the same Gronk and he can stay on the field. I really think as much as he makes them the most exciting, I, the biggest question mark still Tom Brady. He looked like he finally hit the wall last year. Was that frustration? Was it lack of weapons? Was it everything going on? Or is Tom Brady done? And you're gonna, So you're going to know the fortunes of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers within two weeks. There's just no question in my mind. Yeah, I believe you're right. I, I, I do think that obviously father time is catching up to him whether or not he's hit that wall or not i'm not sure i think it's more of a combination of factors one like i said father time is catching up to him but he had nothing to work with last year no let's let's face it there, there was nothing in new england that you could write home about in a positive light and i see a ton of it in tampa bay and i i'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen, but I think you're right. In the first two or three games, you're going to basically see what type of season is going to be for Tampa. Yeah, because, I mean, the first game, irregardless of who they play, because of all this, he's going to throw for six touchdowns in the first game. It'll be week two and three before we know who he actually is. I, I can't wait. I can't believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the most intriguing story in the NFL. So before we get back to the draft, what what do you make of Jameis Winston going to back up Drew Brees in New Orleans? That you could have knocked me over with a fet. I thought it was the onion when I saw that. I don't know. I mean, he's. I mean, I get it because we saw what happened with New Orleans when Drew Brees went down and Teddy Bridgewater carried the load um, for New Orleans and got them where they were. But then. All the scuttlebutt after that, they let Bridgewater go and Taysom Hill, he's the next great thing and he's going to be a starter and he wants big money, blah, blah, blah. So they signed him and now they brought in Jameis Winston. And oh, by the way, they drafted a quarterback. Right. I think in the sixth round it was. I mean, that's not a big thing, but let's not forget Tom Brady was a sixth rounder. So we don't know how that kid will pan out. 
but they've got a ton of quarterbacks on this team all of a sudden. And look, Drew Brees, we know his time is limited, but he's going to be playing for two, three years. I would assume. Well, I wonder, does this tell us this is going to be the last year for Drew Brees? Maybe that's what this says. It could. I mean, I was all under the impression that he was ready to play a bit longer by everything that he had communicated, but maybe this is some writing on the wall that Drew Brees, the clock's ticking on him and we need somebody in here because look, number one, we're not convinced Taysom Hill is the next Johnny Unitas and his kid that we just drafted probably ain't going to be another Tom Brady. Right. So you're right. And it, could be, it could be something like that. Because somebody advised Jameis when I have to think. Now, I don't know what his relationship's like with, with these different front offices, but I, I saw right before we went on the air, right before you and I hooked up here, Rick, and I'm going to have to go back and track it down. I don't know if it was a good source, but it was out of local Pittsburgh media that the Steelers offered, both the Steelers and the Saints offered him one-year one deals, Jameis Winston, that is. The Steelers offered him more money, and he's choosing to go with the Saints. So something's telling – now, they're both one-year deals, so nothing's a guarantee in either place going forward. But it makes you think there's some type of indication somewhere that that New Orleans situation would be better. I would think if you're a betting man – you think your odds of getting on the field this upcoming year would be better with the Steelers. Then you throw the money on top of it. There, there's something there. There, there really is. I'd be curious. He'll probably never say truthfully one way or the other, but there's something there. And I'm just so mad because remember, Rick, even before it became a thing, I was beating on the drum of Jameis Winston to the Steelers back in January, <laughs> and I was within a whisker of actually getting one right for the first time in my broadcast career. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's – I'm – there's a lot. There's so many question marks have popped up just from this draft, from the the trades that we saw during, before, and during the draft, and then the draft picks themselves. And it's that's why I want to get sports going. We need to get this stuff going. We have to see how this plays out. It's going to kill me if we don't see how all this stuff plays out. Yeah, I need to see something on a field. I don't care. I'd watch soccer right now. I'd tennis. I don't care. I'll watch anything. You know. There's another team that had 13 picks, actually seven picks in the first four rounds, and they weren't a crummy team to start with. That Minnesota Vikings, they had two number two first round picks, a second, a third, and three fourths. And um, you know they let Stephon Diggs go, which was a huge player to go. And Justin Jefferson, especially right now, presently is not as good as Stephon Diggs. But then again, he doesn't cry every five minutes. That so helps. That, that helps a lot. Um, they also picked up in the second round tackle Ezra Cleveland. He's like a road grader out of Boise State. He may not – not an instant need on that line, but he certainly adds depth and he can actually play. And then everything else, save for – I think it was a seventh-round quarterback, Nate Stanley. Yeah, everything else was defense. Thirteen picks out of, out of those only three were on offense – you have 10 defensive picks on the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, we saw some cracks in that defense last year a little bit. I think they're going to help Kirk Cousins and the Delvin Cook running game by making sure people don't score on them. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of like it. It's traditional Vikings for a lot of years. The Vikings have been one of those upper echelon defensive teams, and, and they've kind of taken a step back. Look, Justin Jefferson is a great wide receiver. What I'll be curious to see, and it felt like an odd fit in Minnesota for this reason. Most, if not all, of Jefferson's success came out of that slot position. Well, Minnesota's got yeah. themselves a pretty decent little slot receiver. What I don't know, and I didn't do enough homework, and I wouldn't know it if I saw it, does Jefferson have the ability to step outside? Does you know? I can't imagine you put Thielen on the outside. Thielen has done it done it successfully at a high, high, high level coming out of the slot in that offense. So does Jefferson have the ability to play on the outside if need be? I presume he does, well, being that, that, that the Minnesota one thing about Jefferson is he does have experience playing outside and out of the slot as well. Right. And and, and another thing on that, Rick, to just to expand on him, um, looking at, you know, of course there's all these metrics and have grades of players and you that doesn't necessarily translate to being a great player in the NFL we all know that but one thing it does say he improved every year in college and that does say volumes to me that this kid is still growing and he's going to get more mature he's going to get a little bigger a little stronger as he matures into you know the quote-unquote man because I Look, 22-year-old guy, they're going to get a little bigger. They're going to get a little stronger. And, you know, this kid has improved throughout his college career. And with the experience on the outside and the inside, I I think that was a knockout pick, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. It'll be, like, like I said, it seemed like most of his success came out of that slot. So we'll see how that transition, if that slows the transition down coming on the outside, but I, I think he's got the talent uh, of a digs. He's got the speed of a digs. And so you take the headaches out, you'll, you'll deal with the growing pains. So what, what do we got? Eh, we still got a few minutes here left. DeAndre Swift to the Lions, Rick. I guess the carry on Johnson experience. I don't want to get into our old fantasy world, but boy, we've been, feels like we've been talking about carry on Johnson for 12 years. I think it's only been two I think that might be over because Swift's – I wonder how Swift fits in there because he's – he's. I almost would see an Edwards Hilaire who went to Kansas City a better fit in that Detroit offense. But DeAndre Swift, I think that tells me the Lions have done had enough of carry on Johnson as well. And, yeah, I mean, I, I had a little comment writ, written down about the Detroit draft. You know, I just – you know, they went after Swift in the second round in – the first question to pop into my mind, how many running backs are going to come through Detroit? <laughs> All I mean, of them. <laughs> it, I mean, think about it. It has been year after year after year. This guy, you know, on Johnson was the last casualty. He was going to be the guy. Every All these draft nicks on Twitter – yeah, I'm buying all the stock I can and carrying Johnson. And what did we say? Go right ahead. Yeah, enjoy. Right? <laughs> yeah, please enjoy because, <clears throat> pardon me, because these Detroit running backs never – they. I, it, it seems to be the scheme in Detroit. They just don't have an every down back that you can use and exploit. And, and, and this is from a fantasy perspective. You know, a lot of these people on Twitter are talking about that translates in real life football. 
you know, Carryon Johnson wasn't a good fantasy football player because he really didn't produce on the field. So right. hence, he's really not producing for the Detroit Lions. And I mean, yeah, I was baffled by that pick, quite frankly. I mean, because in a month ago, this is Carryon Johnson's year, 2020. You know, load up on it in Dynasty and all this other kind of stuff. And then, <clears throat> pardon me, then they went after Akuda. And the question that popped into my mind there is he actually better than Derek Brown. They took over him. I mean, I, I don't know. Detroit is Detroit. I mean, it's kind of like you have these same teams, Detroit, Cleveland. They, of course, Cleveland did have a decent draft this year. But, I mean, traditionally, some of these teams just baffle you with the picks that they make. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's tremendous value. And make mo- no mistake, Swift is a stud. And I think he, he's got the makings of a guy who lasts a long time and successfully in the NFL. i just not sure that's the offense for it. And like you said, they hoard running backs the way that Chicago hoards tight ends all of a sudden. And, and Chicago does that one again. Pick. It just doesn't make sense. This Komet kid, he, he might be – Travis Kelsey, I don't know, but God, the last thing that team needed was another tight end, and I feel like the last thing Detroit needed was another running back. I agree 100%. I mean, you, and you hit on another team right there. What is, and I'm not sure if I pronounce his name right, Cole Komet, that the Bears picked up the tight end in the second round. You mean to tell me that you couldn't get offensive line or some secondary help with a second round pick when you already have a million tight ends on the roster right now. I mean, I did. It just makes no sense to me. Some, and I don't know what they're thinking. Did they really think that they have trade bait in some of these tight ends that they have? Because they sure don't. And, I, I don't know. I, I just thought that that was a totally wasted second-round pick. Well, I mean, make no mistake, none of the tight ends they have on the roster are any good, but they got 48 of them. It seems like, all right, you, you can figure something else out with that position later, take the best of the bunch. That was – so I'll tell you real quick before we get out of here, we only got three minutes left. The one that, made, as a Steeler fan, made my blood turn cold was J.K. Dobbins going to Baltimore. Baltimore gets it done again, and what a great fit there. And, boy, that offense, if Lamar Jackson can keep rolling just at the level he did last year or some facsimile thereof, this team's going to be really good for a really long time. Yeah, Baltimore knocked it out of the park as well, I think. They, they loaded up with quality players and just really smart picks. And, um, yeah, they're certainly the AFC North favorite in my mind. There's no question about that. I mean, Pittsburgh has t- good defense, way too many question marks on offense. Um, with Big Ben's health, uh, the running back situation, um, there's just a lot of question marks on Pittsburgh. Cleveland, it's Cleveland. They're up in the air. They, they certainly look to be improved. But everybody said that last year. So, you know, time will tell there. I think this is Baltimore's division, hands down. Just what I hate them on the field, everything about them I hate. But what a fantastically run organization. And year over year, they they draft really well. So, Rick, well, we pulled off another one. In quarantine, what you've done in Studio B seems to be working. Very few... uh, very few hiccups along the way. So hopefully uh, here in Pennsylvania may only be a week or two away from getting to do this thing together in Studio B soon, I hope. I hope so. A better sound quality and 
you know, we can throw things at each other and, and have all kinds of fun. Well, like I said, coming off the beginning of the show where I was threatening to lick uh, elevator buttons, of course, whenever you feel comfortable, Studio B, the door is open, so you just let me know. But we're going to get out of here. I've got elevator buttons to lick, apparently. So thanks so much for joining us. Check out everything over at 12 Ounce Sports, 12OunceSportsNetwork.com, at 12OZ Sports on the tweeters. And, of course, follow us at Asylum Football. It's just sports123 at gmail.com. And if you want all some of the old show archives to see where this nonsense came from, AsylumFantasySports.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Yeah, you can find us on iTunes. Take care.